morning relate. Come on, let's jump to our feet this morning. Put our hands together and worship this King of Kings. Hallelujah. Wandering into the Wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This bag of bones. And I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting. A vagabond. And just when I ran out of road, 
I will worship you always. Always. It doesn't matter exactly what happens in my life, God. That's what that song says. It doesn't matter how many trials or struggles I go through, how many times you try and halt my praise, devil, because you can never take God's praise out of my mouth. It was Joseph who said in Genesis 50 and 20, Joseph said, what you intended for my good, God intended let me replace that. He said, what you intended for my bad, God intended for my good. Joseph had plenty of reason to be angry with his brothers. They had cast him into slavery. They tried to kill him. But Joseph said, listen, just because you intended to do these things to make me feel bad, God did them to elevate me. I don't know what struggles you're going through in your life today. I don't know what the devil is throwing at you. I don't know what he's told you about yourself, that you were too big, you were too skinny, you were too ugly. I want to tell you that God says you are his favorite creation. And that every lie the devil has told you, every weapon that's formed against you shall not prosper. Because God has made you more than a conqueror. Today, today, this next song is simply take courage. And it says, take courage in the dark times. Take courage when you're hurting. Take courage when you're struggling because God is in the waiting. I want to encourage you to be patient and wait on God because God loves you. Will you worship with me? Triumph unfolds, he's never failing. 
Hallelujah. Come on, can we give it up to the God who never fails? Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. He never fails. He never fails. Hallelujah. Why don't you turn to your neighbor? Give them a high five. Tell somebody they look good and welcome to relate.
Good morning, everybody. Oh, man, that was way worse than first service. Let's try it one more time. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. There we go. There we go. And I hear the teenagers over here, too. That's, that's where the energy's at. I think that was a teenager. All right. So it is a brand new day in the house of the Lord, and I'm excited that you guys are here. We're starting a new series, as you can see. Uh, solid ground, and for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack some stuff that I know that we have never talked about before, some things we've never done before, and it's really exciting to step into those things together. But how many of you guys have been enjoying the lab? We just finished eight weeks of best summer ever. How, how about that? Small groups. How many of you guys attended small groups this year, this summer? A, a whole bunch of people. I think we have more people in small groups. Um, I think our average attendance for small groups was somewhere in the 150, 170 range. And uh, that's a lot of people to be attending small groups and, and going out and meeting people. And uh, right now we're in a, in a weird season of finishing summer, trying to get travel in and trying to get things done right before school starts. And it's, it's really weird because a lot of our staff, a lot of our dream team is out. Can we give it up for the dream team right now too? Speaking of, you guys work your butts off every week so that we can have service and put cables and lights and make sure that we're able to do what we're able to do in this room and outside the room in the community. And I love being a part of this team. And uh, I, th- this is such a different experience than every other church we, Angela and I, have been a part of. I, I, I want you guys to know that it just blesses my socks off to be a part of this team and to see all of the, the love and outpouring that happens uh, into the community and into our family. So this best summer ever, eight weeks for the last eight weeks, we've had serve day, we've had small groups, we've had um, memorable things, even for us, Angela and I did our uh, marriage small group, and every single week, 15 or 20 people showed up. And to me, that's bigger than a small group. But man, it is just amazing to be able to meet so many new people. Some of you guys I've only met in the last few months, and I'm excited to get to know you more and more and more. Uh, we've had just a ton of people in the last two weeks since our serve day and giving away, uh, meeting new people, and uh, that, that is really what this is about, making connections and doing life together. I think there's too many people, too many, church, too many of, uh, Christians, too many people who should be living the life that God designed for us. And when I talk to people, there's so many people that, are, that feel isolated and broken and lonely, and like those are not the things that the church should be full of. We should be full of Uh, great trusting relationships, but those things are hard, right? Those things, they take time to build and they take effort and they take uh, pressure and they take life coming and us continuing to stick together. And um, I promise you, if you are somebody who's just new to relate, I want you to know this, that we we are a church that it's okay for a few things. It's okay with us that you uh, kick the tires and figure it out. You don't have to commit to any programs. You don't have to commit to, 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 to becoming a member of this or that or signing up for things. There, this is not a church where there's pressure for you to do, to do that. There's, I think, over 100 people right now serving on the Dream Team, and every week they rotate, and some of them serve once a month. Some of them serve, I don't know, 10 times a month, and uh, it, it, it really is kind of you step in when you're ready, 
And you, you step up and take a step of faith when you're ready when it comes to the things that God wants from you. No one's going to pressure you to do anything. So I love that we're that kind of church. We're also the kind of church where if you don't know anything about church, and this series that we're going into is really, I think, a great first step for, I've had so many people ask me, Pastor Sean, I just got a Bible for the very first time. I don't know where, I don't know where to start. So I, looking at this series over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at God's Word. We're going to unpack what the Bible looks like. What's it, a, what's it for? What's it about? How it changes us? And um, it's going to be on a whole bunch of different levels, whether you don't know anything about the Bible or maybe you've been around and you know a lot about the Bible. I know that this is going to challenge all of us, and I'm working hard to make sure that the next four weeks is something that helps all of us to take a big spiritual step, not just in the Word of God, but next week, uh, as a part of this series, along with this series, we start 21 days of prayer. Somebody's excited. <laughs> it, it's funny how everyone gets excited for uh, what comes after 21 Days of Prayer. That's at the movies. That's, that's going to be probably one of our favorite series every year. But 21 Days of Prayer is one of those things where we're going to pray every day. We're going to have prayer meetings. We're going to have daily prayer focuses. We're going to dig in and do the hard work sometimes, it feels like, of getting closer to God because that is, that's what makes this powerful. That's what makes my walk of faith powerful, not just the fun stuff. So I want to challenge you to do everything you can. Take, a, take big steps where you can take big steps and be a part of all of the things uh, as, we, as we grow. I, I, that's what I believe, and that's what I'm hoping for, that this series, Solid Ground, is, is a season of growth for you. It's a season of breakthrough. There may have been some things that you've struggled with and fought with and wrestled with and said, God, I don't know what to do here. I'm, I'm believing that this series is going to be the next four weeks before we get to the fun stuff of at the movies, this is fun for me, that we, we reach for the presence of God, lean into God's word, lean into his presence, and we go places that we've never gone to as a church. And, get, and listen, that's going to make us stronger than we've ever been as a church, stronger in our faith. So go there with us. Today, we're going to dive right into um, this series all about the Bible and about a solid foundation, a solid, firm foundation. And before we get to that, though, I want to show you a little video clip, and I want you to, I want you to see a couple things in it. So don't, it is funny. It's a TikTok video that I, that I saw this week, and I want you to pay attention a little bit closer to what's happening. Charlie is building a little block tower, and I want you to look at what he's building on. And I want you to pay attention to the celebration that goes on. It's pretty funny. Watch this. Turn it up a little. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that uh, video. I love seeing Charlie build his tower. But I think when I was watching that, I noticed a few things. The first thing I noticed is that he was building his tower. And first thing, I don't think that was the first time he had done that, right? Everybody's celebrating. He knows what's coming. He know, he's expecting the celebration to happen when he puts on the next block, right? He's standing back waiting for it, looking around, and then he just joins in the celebration. But you notice he doesn't, he, he's not just building on carpet. He's got a big block down at the bottom that's creating a, a, a solid foundation so that he can go as tall as he wants. But you notice no one ever, no one ever celebrates the foundation. Where do we celebrate? We celebrate at the top. We celebrate at the pinnacle whenever we get the, the, the record-breaking brick or whenever we, we, we put the facade, the flourish at the top, the, the, most be- the cherry on top, right? To me, that's like life. That's, that's, we build a life. We build a marriage. We build a business. We build a family. And no one ever celebrates the most important parts of it. We celebrate the uh, the. The, the achievement, right? 50 years of marriage. We, we celebrate 25. Angela and I are going to celebrate 24 years of marriage next year. But we, we hit those milestones. We put another brick on top. We put, a, we put the, the finishing touches and then everybody celebrates. Everybody cheers and we sing songs and we have a party. But no one ever celebrates what makes that possible because if, we, if Charlie hadn't had a foundation at the bottom, how high would he have been able to build? Not too high. Because the carpet is unstable. The same thing happens in life. We try to build something. The same thing happens in a, in a building project. This week as I was studying, I, I looked at the... How many of you guys have ever seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa? I'm going to throw it up on the screen. It was, they started construction for it in 1173. In the year 1173, and if you'll notice, the bottom, there's a door down at the bottom left, and that's kind of the first floor. And then by the time they started the second floor, just uh, a year later, they, the, the whole building had already started to tilt, even at the second floor. And then the, the builders decided, hey, stop building. They stopped building for 100 years. They didn't touch it again. It sat there. And then they thought, okay, after 100 years, surely the ground has settled now. We can keep building. And of course, they they kept building and it had not settled. It continued to lean and lean and lean. And it continued to lean even as they finished it. It took them 200 years to finish from the time they started to the time they finished. And if, if you look at it real close, the whole building is actually curved a little bit because as they tried to get to the top, they tried to straighten it up a little bit. And then the very top section, they just built it straight up. So the whole building leans and they tried to put it, so it really has a lean at the top. And for 900 years, even after they finished it, it continued to lean more and more and more. And so in the year 1990, almost a thousand years later, um, they stopped all the traffic. They said they closed down uh, tourist tourism and said, hey, we have to stop this or it's going to fall. So they started digging out on, on one side over here. They started digging out dirt and trying to help it settle and put lead weights on that side to try and pull it back. They, they put winches and cables and tried to pull the whole building back upright. They did move it a few inches, 
But then when they were finally done, they said, look, this building is never going to stop leaning no matter what we do. And it's going to fall eventually. There's no way to stop it because it will fall if we don't continue to pick it back up. And the most amazing thing I found as I was reading through this story is that you imagine that nowadays they build skyscrapers and they go down hundreds of feet to, to counterweight and to, to build down to a firm foundation. But this particular one, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, only has a foundation. They only dug down 10 feet deep. <laughs> Can you imagine? The bottom floor is more than 10 feet. There's no foundation. And I'm not, I'm not a, uh, an architect but I know this, that if you only build 10 feet, you can't go up 100 feet. It doesn't work. And yet, in our lives, what do we do? We, go, we charge out into the world. I'm going to build a marriage. I'm going to build a life. I'm going to build a business. I'm going to build my bank account, my empire, my relationships with no foundation. We're not building on solid ground. We're building on shifting sand. We're building on whatever the next thing that comes along. Hey, that sounds pretty good. That's a great idea. I'll build on that. I got a good wife. Uh, She's a good person. Let's build on that. Let's build a family. And we pick things to build our lives on that they have no chance of standing the length of time. And yet what people celebrate is the 50-year mark. And And we stand back and think, How did you get to 50 years? How did you build that empire? How did you build that that relationship or that business? Or how did you do it? And then they tell us all of the, the milestones that they achieved. And so we aim for those milestones. But nobody wants to do the hard work of looking at what's under the ground. That's why when we talk about exciting, fun things like Hey, we're going to do, I love outreach. We love to go out and do things and reach the community. But when it comes to our faith and the foundation of our faith, we don't get so excited about 21 days of prayer. We don't get so excited about, oh, we're going to read our Bible more. But guys, I'm telling you that if we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to grow as people of faith, we have to embrace sometimes the hard things. We have to embrace what is under the ground. The tallest building in the world right now, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, is a a half mile tall. It took them six years to build it, but guess what? They worked on the foundation for two of those six years before they even built up at all. They dig down and down and down and put in like almost 200 uh, piles of concrete and steel They went down hundreds of feet. For two years they worked with not an inch above the ground. And then everyone celebrates. It's the tallest building in the world. It's amazing what they did. If we're going to build something that's going to last in our faith, in our marriages, in our homes, in our children then we have to build on something that will last, something that's not going to fall apart. And we wonder why our kids don't stay in church. We wonder why we start something with God and can't finish it. We wonder why we commit to something like a wife or a husband and it doesn't last. Because it's not built on the right foundation. And the moment that something comes and the wind and the waves and the moment the ground shakes, like it's been doing a lot of lately, things start falling apart. 
And God tells us if we'll build on something solid, then nothing will shake us. So this whole series is built on this idea. Your foundation determines your stability and your sustainability. That the, the, what you build your life on will determine how strong your life is. So you got to build it on something strong. And that something strong is not something I make or something you make. Or something we just happen to find. It's something God gave us. So we take his word. We take the scripture. We take the Bible and we build our lives on that. Maybe you're that person that's sitting here in 2022, looking back at the last two years and seeing the aftermath of storms that have rolled into your life and the winds and the waves and the earthquakes and the, the tornadoes of life have just come rolling one after another. And it seems like a hurricane, then a tornado, then an earthquake, then a volcano. And all of these things, one after another, have just rampaged your life. And you look around and I don't know that I have anything left. Can I encourage you in this? The inspiration for this series and this thought where we need to dig into God's word is that as we, all of us, begin to put things back together and try to rebuild, because that's, what, that's where we're at. That's where most of the world is at right now. We got to rebuild. We have to refocus and put things back together because for most of us, things have fallen apart in, in so many areas. We're trying to rebuild relationships. We're trying to rebuild churches. We're trying to rebuild ministries and rebuild our emotional state. But as we do that, let's not just put the cherry on top again because the cherry fell off. Let's not just put the facade or the, hey, we need some columns over here and make a tower that's going to continue to lean. Let's take a month. Let's take some time in this year and let's dig out the foundation. Let's rebuild the foundation and take a hold of God's word. I want to show you in scripture what Jesus says about it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, one of the best chapters in the Bible. He says, therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine. So that, that's, that's the main piece of what we're talking about, Jesus' words. He says, everyone who hears my words and then takes those words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on what? On the rock, not on sand, but on something solid. If you hear my words and put them to practice, then you're like the wise man. But this is what happens when the rain comes and the, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But here's the, the flip side of that. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And guess what? When the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, it fell with a great crash. How many crashes have we seen over the last few months and years? Health, po uh, politics, the economy. We see uh, stock markets and uh, different stocks going up and down in companies, things that seem to be uh, unbreakable unsinkable. We, we see these companies and things that we thought would be around forever. People that we thought would be around forever. Relationships that we thought could, could stand any storm come crashing down because of the testing over and over and over. And th that's why 
We have to get to a place in our faith that we're not struggling, that we're not stammering, that we're not reaching for, I just need something of stability. I just need something to help sustain me. Listen, when we have our feet planted on solid ground, on the firm foundation of the word of God, when we build on that, we don't have to reach, we don't have to scramble around and figure it out. We're unmovable. Our life is unmovable. If you wait to hear what's on the news, <laughs> the, here, here's something that happens often in the news. We're watching the news and we're getting the next piece of information that pertains to uh, health or society, social issues, politics. We're waiting on the next piece of information and so often what happens, maybe it's technology. Maybe it's science. We just recently, they put a new telescope into space and then they shoot it out into space and then they get a a brand new picture and they say, hey, this changes everything. We can see things we've never seen before. And it's amazing that a new idea or a new piece of information or technology or politics, hey, remember we told you last month? Remember we told you last year? Remember we told you 10 years ago? Forget all about it because this is new. And we keep getting these Uh, completely new ideas. This is world-changing, groundbreaking. This is is a whole new world. Just forget what you you thought you knew. This is what the world's going to look like. And when you really think about it, all those words, all that, in an age of technology and information, we have so much information. It's just like all those words and ideas they become like sand that we try to walk on. And you, we try to follow God. We try to follow vision. We try to be healthy. We try to, try to live a, a positive, good life. And what we're doing is we're like walking in sand, trying to build something that keeps shifting around. But God's word is absolute and unmovable. It's immovable. It doesn't change with time. It doesn't change. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we plant our feet on him, we're unshakable. That's why he says you got to have faith. You got to live by faith. So the Bible is the only solid ground worth building your life on. You can go try to find something that's stronger, something that will last longer, but you will not find it. And Jesus says, if you take that word and you apply it, you're going to have something amazing. So here's what happens, I think, a lot of times whenever I, even when people get a, a brand new Bible for the first time, or people, I know people who have been in church for decades, 10, 20, 30 years, and they know very little about the Bible. I know people who have read through the whole Bible and still know very little about the Bible and how it applies to them. Sometimes we get intimidated by the Bible because it's a lot of words or we think it's, um, you know, I don't do so good at school or I don't go to, I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not a studier, Pastor Sean. Maybe you don't, maybe you're that person that says, ah, I like what you're saying and I want, I want to have more of God's word, but I just don't read very well. Can I tell you that there are, there are strategies, there are ways that we can overcome that and I would just challenge you that if there's one thing in this world that will change your life, it's God's word. And if you don't read well, I would make it my absolute life's goal for a little while. Let's get better at reading. Let's, let's find other 
avenues of getting the word of God. You know that you can download the YouVersion Bible app and it'll read it to you. It's amazing. You just pick a spot and it starts reading. Some of it sounds like a movie. There's background sounds. You're here, you're here like goats in the background. And I'm like imagining a whole sound studio where they put this together. It's like real life happening with different voices. There are ways that are not, uh, they're not too difficult is what I'm trying to say. If you're committed to it. So here's what's going to happen. My hope for the next four weeks is that you have a different, better, more clear picture of what the Bible means to us. Not too long ago, I was having a conversation with my son and both my son and daughter, they're uh, 19 and 20 years old and headed to college and already in college. They know how to drive and get around to most places. But it's amazing when especially when you first start driving, you, you learn like, okay, I can get from my house to school. And then I can also get from my house to Target. But if I had to drive from my school to Target, I might not know exactly how, like the dot, you know the dots, but you don't know how to connect them. And yet the first time you ever look at like, instead of just saying to your phone, hey, take me to Target, take me to the movie theater, Take me where, like, instead of doing that, you start opening up the map and looking, hey, wait a second, there's a road that goes right where I want to go. Hey, this is not complicated. It's just roads on a map. The moment you start to build, my daughter and I, call, she calls it her, her, her brain map. She says, I don't know where that's at. I've been there before. Or we'll be driving somewhere and she says, hey, are we right by, right close to some other place? And I'll say, yeah, it's right over there. And she's, she's like, okay, I got it in the brain map. Because you start piecing together a, an image of, of what it looks like bigger than you, right? M- more than just what's right in front of you. The same thing happens in our, in our understanding of what God's, not just in your understanding of the Bible, but listen, this is not just 66, book, 66 books with 66 stories, and some of them have a bunch more in them. This is one story of which we're included in the story. And the moment we start to realize that, hey, th- th- there's a bigger picture going on here, and the moment I can open up the scripture and say, oh, Matthew chapter 6, I know how that fits into the bigger picture. I know how to get from here to here. My hope is that over the next few weeks, that, that, that map of God's plan for us and this story starts becoming more and more clear. And we're, gonna, we're, we're going to kind of look at the outline of the Bible. We're going to br- break it apart and, and study on Sunday mornings. But we're also going to study during the week. So when you came in today, I think you should have received this, which at the top, it's a soap guide, S-O-A-P, soap guide. And don't worry, I'll explain what Soap Guide is. But ultimately, my hope is that you'll read with us over the next four weeks. We're going to start every day, starting tomorrow, August. These are the days in August, August 1st. We're going to read a little passage together. So tomorrow, Psalm chapter 119, verse 1 through 56. That's 56 verses. We're going to read that together. We're going to go through the, this part of the Bible together And we're going to do what's called the SOAP Bible study method. And I'll explain what that is as we get through the message today. If you've already read this, you already know what it is. 
But ultimately, it's helping us to work on the foundation because I believe God has great things for us. If, you, if you've been around for any length of time, you know that our church is growing. You know that we're doing amazing things in the community. But if all the things we're doing and all the events that are happening don't include you growing in your relationship with God, then I feel like we're not doing our job. If it doesn't include me getting closer to God, me digging into my Bible, me getting more of God's word in me, then I feel like what we're doing isn't worth it. So we have to grow so that we can do more for the people around us. So we can make a bigger difference, but it starts right here in our hearts. Because listen, when God looks at us or you, when God looks at you and God looks at this church, guess what? He doesn't look at, he don't care what, what room we meet in. He, he doesn't care about uh, what brand of keyboard we have or how big the speakers are or if the lights are blue. Guess what he does care about? Guess what he sees? He's looking at your heart and my heart. He's looking at the hearts of men and women to see, are they committed to him? Are they following him? Are they leaning into him or are we indifferent? Just waiting on the next Sunday sermon so we can get back to our life. So here we go. I'm going to give you four points. And if you've been paying attention, you already know what those points are. They're going to be S-O-A-P. Starting with number one, we're going to start with Scripture. That's the S. We're going to start with Scripture. We have to read the Bible regularly and systematically, which means you can't just say, hey, I know a whole bunch of the Bible because I've been going to church for 20 years. And I've heard, I, I, Pastor Sean, you give us Scriptures every week. No, you have to know the context of the Scripture. And that happens when you read. That's why I always tell you, hey, take the notes home, put them in your clicky binder, and go back and read the whole chapter this week. Sometimes we don't have time to do that. Sometimes we do. Watch this. Matthew chapter 4, 4 says this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You ever heard the scripture called the bread of life? It's because we don't just need, they say that you can live without uh, air for three minutes, water for three days, and food for three weeks. But those are the things that physically keep us alive. You're, you're, Bible is full of God's word, and we need that spiritually. How many of you guys are familiar or you have some experience with fasting? Just raise your hand up. You fa Maybe that's for spiritual reasons. Maybe it's for, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people recently uh, talking about intermittent fasting. You, go, you, 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 you eat at night, and then all for the rest of, you, while you're sleeping, you wake up, and then you skip breakfast, skip lunch, and then you have dinner, Right? It's in order to get more healthy or to get more in shape. But what happens whenever we go without food, we start getting hungry. We start, we start getting uh, cravings like, oh, I I, I've got to eat something. I can tell you that for me, I don't usually eat breakfast. But if I skip lunch, by the time I get to dinner, I'm starving. I'm like, I need to eat or I'm going to die. That's how I feel. That's like my stomach is telling me, you better eat or you're going to be sorry. I like one of my favorite TV shows. There's a TV show called Alone. They take 10 contestants and put them out in the middle of nowhere. And they, they tell them to survive on the land. And they give them a few, a few tools. They have to build a little shelter and find water and food. And there's always a moment in the, in the season when there's a few of them left. And the, the last man standing wins a whole bunch of money. But there's always a moment in the season where 
somebody has survived for a long time and they haven't been eating and they're basically they'll show so and so has has lost 53 pounds since the since they started or so and so has lost 45 pounds they're basically down to skin and bones and then the medical team will have to come in and say hey you're doing really good but we're going to have to medically extract you because this is you, you, this is in danger of you uh, doing permanent damage to yourself and they're always crying and so upset but they haven't been eating and they're basically wasting away. That image where the, the medical team has to come in and cart them off and get them to a hospital. I feel like that's, that's us sometimes. Not physically because uh, most of us, myself included, we, we eat plenty. Probably too much. But spiritually, if you were able to see me spiritually, if, you, if we were able to take a look around at us spiritually, I think a lot of us would be that wasting away skin and bones. Like, we need the medical team to come in because we haven't been having the bread of life. We haven't been taking in God's word and feeding ourselves. And we need to be rushed to the ER. And so in a way, my hope for this series is that not only we take a hold of the word and we become stronger than we've ever been, but also I think there's for many of us, there, this is a wake-up call and, hey, you need to stop what you're doing and let's get to the emergency room and let's get the word of God stat. Like, let's get God's word so that you don't spiritually perish. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show thyself approved. Unto God a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. Like take the word and study it to show yourself approved. God's watching. But you don't need to be ashamed. And now you can rightly divide the word of truth. The more we study it, the more we know it, the more we take it, then it becomes a part of us. I think in this Number one point about scripture is this. Listen, you need to make an appointment with God every day and keep it. You need to make an appointment, sit down. If it's the soap reading schedule, you read one chapter. For most of the days, it's one chapter. For the first three days, it's only part of a chapter. We're going to read one chapter over three days. Make an appointment with God and set it and say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my feet down on your word. Because what doesn't work is for you to say, all right, I'll read my Bible and just open up your Bible. Let's see. Just then Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in the presence as in times past. Like, what does that mean? You can just pick one verse out and say, okay, I read my Bible, but you don't, you don't have a clue what that what is that? That's like taking your favorite movie and pulling out just 30 seconds of it and saying, hey, 30 seconds right out of the middle of this movie makes no, with no context is pointless. You go back and read the whole chapter, though. You go back and read the whole book. You go back and, and put it into context. So 31 days in context, I'm telling you, by the time we get to day 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 15, things will start building a storyline. And, you're, you're st- and by, by the time you read the next chapter, pieces will start to connect. Number two, what are we going to do after we take that scripture? We're going to make observations. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? 
so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to equip you and prepare you, but you have to get it for all from the scripture that is God-breathed. He wants to use that scripture to equip you and prepare you. So here's the deal. If I open up to Matthew, here I am. Almost. Matthew chapter 13, and I'm reading through the daily verse, whatever it is for that day, and thinking, okay, God, what do you want to show me in here? Something in here that God has for me. Let, let's, let's break it apart and make observations. Hey, what's happening in the story? Why? Because it's not just this story that I need to check a box and say, okay, I did my reading for the day. No, there's, there's some things in here that God wants to put in you. The danger, I think, is that we read it, the whole thing, in too, we can become too much self-focused that, hey, all this is about me, and not realize that 66 books is really one big story, and I'm just a speck in that story. But it's amazing that I'm in there. It's amazing that God wants to use that chapter and this verse and this place to equip me and prepare me. So here's the kind of questions that we might ask in our observation section. What do, you, what do you note about the characters, events, and claims being made? What do you find interesting in the passage? What stands out to you? How does this fit with the greater story of the Bible? What questions does this passage raise in you? Can I tell you one of the biggest turnoffs for people reading the Bible is think they don't understand it. So they read through Matthew chapter 5 and think, well, I don't even know what that means. Can I tell you that that is an amazing place to be? Because when you have a question, you can get an answer. But if you live your life with no questions, hey, I didn't even read it because it didn't, I don't get it. Because the questions pop up. The questions are good. Because once you have the questions, you can find the answers. But if you push away from the table because it doesn't, I don't understand that kind of food. And we start to waste away. Number three. After we've made our observations, we're going to apply it to your life. That means I'm going to read it. I got my scripture. I'm going to think around it, look at it from different perspectives. And if there's a, if there's a landmark, I'm going to maybe look up the landmark and try to figure out where is that at in the world. If it's a person mentioned, I might look up that person and figure, hey, let's try to observe everything we can about it. Think about what we know, and if you have a study Bible, a reference Bible, there will be all kinds of references down the center of my Bible. If I'm reading, it gives me references to other places in the Bible that that particular verse references. There's cross-references over and over and over. And if you want, you can go down so many different rabbit holes as you begin to, hey, I'm going to explore this little trail. Like, what does this have to do? What does this verse mean? You don't have to do that, but you can. Matthew 7, 24, as we apply it, what we're doing actually is we're thinking of how do I actually listen to what he said and then put it into practice. Notice he didn't say you build your life on the rock if you just listen to the scripture or if you just know the Bible or you just go to church. You hear the message. No, he said, you got to apply it. And then when trouble comes, our marriages will last. Our finances, our finances will not be broken down. If the government falls apart, I'm not going to fall apart because my life is built on the rock. 
James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Would you just tell somebody sitting next to you, hey, do what it says. Now tell the other person, do what it says. Come on. If we don't do what it says, what are we doing? It says we deceive ourselves. There's a bunch of people who go to church every week and they're deceived because they think they know a lot about the Bible. Hey, I've been going to church since I was a little kid, but they don't do anything it says. That's like someone strutting around the gym, right? With the right shoes and the right little outfit. (laughs) The little Speedo outfit letting everybody know, hey, buddy, we're doing it. We're working out. We're getting in shape. Do it, man. You got all the lingo. You got. You look right, but you haven't touched any of the weights. You just walk around for 10 or 20 minutes and then leave. That's what happens when we go to church and we just listen. And we think about it and it's entertaining. And Pastor Sean, do show us some video clips. Okay, I'll show you some video clips, but I want you to do what the Bible says. Not what I say. I want us to get together and start living life that applies God's word because that's when we start to be changed. That's when we start living a life that is absolutely world-changing. We don't change the Bible to match our lifestyle. We change our lifestyle to match the Bible. Finally, number four, we're going to pray God's word. So we're going to take the scripture. We're going to observe. Then we're going to apply it. And then we're going to pray God's word. So what a perfect time to do that in 21 days of prayer. We have a prayer motto right here. I've been wearing it on my wrist as soon as we, since the last 21 days of prayer. But when we start 21 days of prayer again, you'll get these bracelets. We pray first. We start the day with prayer. Start a meal with prayer. Start a meeting with prayer. We start a trip with, we just pray first. And so when we, when we read the Bible, what are we going to do? How are we going to live our life? We're going to pray first. We're not re- rushing through it to check a box. We're not just trying to get through it. Can I tell you, you don't need to get through the Bible or through the scripture. You need to get the scripture through you. John 14, 26, our last verse, gives a perfect picture of what happens when we actually take God's word. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. All the things God tells us, all, the, all the, the word that he's given us. He gave us his word, but then he also put his Holy Spirit in us to teach us. And one of the biggest lies that Christians believe is that they can't get this. It's too complicated or too... It's too smart for them. I'm just not on that level, Pastor. Let me just tell you something. Even if you didn't have me preaching and someone to listen to, and I can tell you that there are no shortages of preachers. You could go on YouTube and start listening to sermons right now, and then for the rest of time, you would have sermons to listen to. Great sermons. But the best teacher that either of us could have is that when I pick up this Bible and I start listening to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to show me here? God put his spirit in us. You learn to listen to that voice. You tune in to the voice of 
the Holy Spirit, he starts speaking to us and showing us, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. That's it. I'm going to equip you and I'm going to prepare you. So real quick, a recap, our SOAP Bible study. This is a way to study the Bible. We're going to take our scripture every day. We have it a chart for a different piece of this passage of scripture every day for a month, 31 days. And then as you read that passage, one or two verses are going to stand out. You don't have to write the whole thing, but one or two verses are going to stand out. I want you to take a piece of paper and write an S on there for your scripture. Then write that one verse and then skip a line and right below that, write an O for observation. And you're just going to write, what does this mean? How does this fit with the passage? How does, how, just write your observations, the things that occur to you as you're reading. And then skip a line and go down and write A for apply or application. How am I going to, how do I apply this? I'll put a few examples on the screen so you can see it's not complicated, although they have way better handwriting than I do. And yours, listen, this doesn't take a half hour. This takes five minutes. If it's a longer verse, it might take 15 minutes. Just take a minute. Take a verse. A few, maybe just a part of a verse. Write it on there. Write some observations. And then, okay, how am I going to apply this to my life? I might need to do this. Ideas on how, how this can actually take a practical step forward. And then finally, skip a line and put P, prayer. We're going to pray about it. And then you just take that scripture and then you pray. You pray that scripture. Use what everything you just did, and I want you to write a prayer to God. It's Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. We can make some observations. How do I apply that? And then just pray it. God, I thank you. I can do all things through Christ. Nothing is too difficult for you. It's, it's very easy. But what happens is, as we do this study, we're taking those scriptures and we're putting them in our heart. In fact, the first little passage in Psalm 119, there's a verse that says that thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what we're doing. We're hiding God's word in our heart. So I'm going to ask for some help over here and they're going to bring me, uh, they're going to bring me some, some scriptures real quick as we close. Where are we at? Here we go. Proverbs 3, 5. So I can pull out this, this verse right here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. And he'll make all your paths straight. And if I know that verse and I put that verse in my heart, I can stand on it. And when the wind comes and the wind blows, I'm standing on something that doesn't move. Because I'm trusting in God. What else? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I feel like I don't have any strength, I feel like I'm broken. I feel like I'm uh, dying and I can't go any further. You know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's strengthening me now. God, I thank you. And I can write my prayer back. God, I thank you that you are strengthening me. That you are strengthening, that you are my strength and I don't depend on anybody else. What else we got? Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? That means that God's working for us. And even when something looks bad, just like earlier BJ talked about, the devil wanted this to, to break me, but God used it for my good. 
Joseph did it, and so can I. If God was with Joseph, if God was with Abraham, if God was with Samson, look at all the stuff they did wrong. If he did it for them, he'll do it for me. We got more. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know people, this is their life verse. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to, to, to bless you. and prosper. God has good thoughts about us. God's not trying to break you. God's, if I have that verse in my heart and I'm standing on this verse, you know what? I know that God's not trying to destroy me. And the thought that comes in, God's trying to hurt you. God's, trying, God's punishing you because you did something. Nope, no, he's not. God has good plans for me. God wants to bless me. God wants to make my life count for something. God, God is doing something to work together for the good. And it might not look like it right this minute. But if I don't have these verses, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. If I don't have these verses in my heart, if I'm not standing on this solid ground, guess what? The first wave comes and crashes against my life. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what are you, what are you doing to me? Things are breaking me down, God. Why are you hurting me? Why, why are you letting this happen in the world? Why would a good God let this happen? But that's not what happens. What does happen is I stand on God's word and it becomes the foundation for my life. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then guess what he'll do? That's a promise. He'll hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sins and he'll heal our land. And now I'm standing on something. My hope for you, my hope for me and this church is that we pick up God's word and we start standing on it just instead instead of waiting on the winds and the waves of life to crash against us and knock us down again. So I need you to stand up with me and commit that I'm going to take a hold of God's word for 31 days. Would you stand up on your feet? Let's dig into God's word for this season and see what he'll do. Let's let's worship together. as a commitment that God I'm going to take a moment to dig out 
the foundation. And I think what needs to happen in this moment is it's just yielding to say, God, what do you, what do you want to do in me? It's not going to look the same for every one of us. It's not going to, uh, our prayer time won't look the same. Our, from the person sitting next to you, your Bible time, you might miss a day. That's okay. You jump back in because it's not about how much we do. It's just about taking a step. So I'm encouraging us, let's go together and get closer to what God wants us to. What, like, I hope our church looks more like what God wants it to look like. And less like what we want it to look like. And I hope my life looks like God wants it to look like. And fulfills his desire for me. And the only way I know that is through his word. Would you pray with me? God, today we submit ourselves to your word. We humble ourselves. We pray turn from our wicked ways God we ask that you would make your way into the very center of our of our lives and our activities our thoughts our plans our designs our relationships every part God we yield to you and we submit to your word help our eyes to be open this week and our ears to hear your word and help us to make observations that we've never made before help us to apply it like we've never applied it before and god teach us to pray just like the disciples asked you lord teach us to pray help us to take a step this week and this month closer to you to a stronger relationship with you a stronger understanding of who you made us to be as individuals and as as a church we want to make a difference so badly we want to finish this life in a way that you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Now, before we leave, I'd like to just give one opportunity for any, any person. You feel like you're far from God. You feel like you don't, you don't have a relationship with God. Can I tell you, you do. Have, every person has a relationship with God. Just some of us don't have a good relationship with God you have a relationship that you feel like is broken with God let it be repaired we he's a God of restoration he wants to be known he wants to lead you he wants to walk through life with you he wants to have a father relationship with you he doesn't want to be a far off conversation that is like almighty we speak the King James language. No, he just wants to talk to us. He wants to know you. He wants to spend time with you. If that's you today and you want to rebuild your relationship with him or start one for the very first time, I'd love to say a prayer with you, whether you're in this room or watching online. Let's just take a minute. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? If that's you and you you're saying, Pastor Sean, I want to say that prayer and I want to give my life to him today. If that's you, with nobody looking around, I won't embarrass you or call you forward. Would you just raise your hand up and say, yes, Pastor Sean, I want to say that prayer. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. I love that. Let's say this prayer together. Everybody in the room so nobody's praying alone. Would you just say these words out loud? God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Today I invite you into my life. Please forgive me of my sin and make me whole. Make me a new creation. 
and I will follow you. I will learn to hear your voice and I will live with you for the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put your hands together and let's welcome everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Amen. I'm proud of you for saying that prayer. Brother BJ is coming to help us close in worship, but I want to tell you, if you said that prayer for the first time, come meet me at the door. I'd love to give you this book to help you figure out what's next. What are, what, now that I've said that prayer and started a relationship with Jesus, what comes next? I love you guys. I'm looking forward to this next season and 21 days of prayer. God bless you. Bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord, somebody. Bless the Lord, everybody. God is good. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. Man, what are you building your faith? Pastor, I want to just stand up. Ooh, okay. It's a little shaky. I got to get a better foundation. Or some better balance, right? I hope you took a picture of these bricks without me. And I hope you can go home today and... Look up some of the scriptures and what are you building your foundation on? First of all, we want to celebrate those who gave their life to Jesus today. Man, can we give them a hand clap of praise? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We don't want to minimize that moment when a person says yes to God. The Bible says all of heaven celebrates when one soul turns to God. One soul. Boy, can you imagine when you get a church full of souls turning to God? Oh, my God. Heaven's going crazy right now. Listen, there's a connect card. If, if you did give your life to Christ today, or maybe you visiting the church for the first time, you hadn't made that decision yet, or maybe you've been gone a while, you've changed addresses. We want you to fill out that connect card that lets us know who you are, where you're staying. I promise you, we just want to reach out to you and say, man, we love you and we support you. That's it. We want to let you know that we are here for you. This is your church. You are welcome back anytime. Matter of fact, this is a movie theater, so you can come by our church anytime you want. Come by and touch the door and pray we're not here. Also, I want to give you an opportunity to give today. If you look on the screen right now, there are several ways to give. You can text to give. That's what I love to do. It's so simple and easy. Text to give. You can just give when you leave the, out, the, out the church. Just leave a check for us uh, uh, with the person at the door. And let me remind you of this. We're not asking you to give to me or to give the pastor. No, we're not asking you that. We said give to the church of God because the church is doing things to bless the people. How many of you have seen the toy drive that we do? Oh, and that's not the only thing this church is doing. You are part of a church that gives because we love our community. Man, we love them. And we want you to be a part of that. Give you a second to do that. I'm going to pray us out and listen. I want you to have a super relate week. And when I say a relate week, I want you to relate to somebody this week let them know that god loves them father we love you we honor you today we bless your name we give you praise for who you are for what you've done for what you're doing and what you are about to do god we thank you for blessings we are yet to see or to receive god but we believe they are coming i pray that everybody has a powerful week that our knowledge grows our wisdom of you grows and that we learn to apply your word in jesus name we pray amen worship with me will you
to do whatever. 